Praise the Lord, church. God is good. I want to talk about chariots for just a second. And, and we're going to open, excuse me as I grab my, my verses, I have them electronically. But we are going to open, there we go. Judges 1.19 says, And the Lord was with Judah, and he drave out the inhabitants of the mountain, but could not drive out the inhabitants of the valley, because they had chariots of fire. Uh, Brother Clay, if you can take it. Holy, mighty God. God, let us, let us be open vessels, but let us be words. Let me leave different. Let me better. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. Um, Brother Justin, where are you at? Oh, there he is. The first time this verse caused me to take a second look, it, it caught like a trim nail that was sticking out too far. Like, like when it grabs your side or maybe it grabs your favorite suit coat and it just, just snags it and you can't get away. Because I'm going, what, what do you mean? But they could not drive the inhabitants out. Because God's got limitless power. Amen? I mean, there's nothing too big for God. There's nothing too hard for God. And so you start, I started to dig through some commentaries. And it was not because God could not do it, but rather it was where their faith, where their trust, where their belief was at at that moment. If, if, if I'm going through a valley, if I'm coming up against an enemy, and I don't believe that God can get me through it, and I place no stock in God's ability to get me where I need to be, I can't do it on my own. I've, I have fumbled that one too many times to think even for a second that I can get through anything more than maybe a hangnail, it seems like most times, by my own will. Maybe a scratch, but not much more than that. Anything of, of any substance requires God in my life. Amen? Requires trust in the Lord. And that takes us to our next setting of Scripture. Praise God. Psalm 20, verse 7. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. So that tells me that whether or not I'm getting through this situation, whether or not I'm going to see restoration, whether or not I'm going to see my family in the church may very well depend upon whether or not I'm trusting in God. Amen. I mean, absolutely. Now, that's not to say that everything's going to turn out the way I want it to. And, and I was sharing this with with a coworker the other day, talking to him. And I said, well, it, it doesn't always work out the way I think it does. You know, God's will prevails. And they said, oh, well, that's, that's just that little footnote for when, you, that's your fallback when it doesn't work out. No, 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 no. It's not a fallback. That just means that God knows so much more than I do. I may not understand my situation until my dying breath, but I, I know that I know that I know as long as I keep faithful, it is all going to work out for the prize that matters in the end. Amen. Where do we place our trust? Praise the Lord. It's a good word, Brother Anthony. I'm just going to take a second of your time, I promise. But I was reading in uh, Luke after Pastor had, you know, done the whole time to restore thing, which I really, really am enjoying and being fed by. Um, just something popped into my head that it hasn't really left yet, so this is what I'm going to talk about. But uh, Luke 17, 11 through 19 tells a story of ten lepers. Uh, it says, it came to pass as he went into Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. As he entered into a certain village, 
There he met ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. A lot of us have heard this story. They go up to Jesus, and they say, we just want to be healed. We need something from you now kind of a deal. And it says when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves unto the priest. As they went, they were healed. As they were on their path, they got their blessing. But then there was one. One turned around. One said, I just got something, and I can't just walk away. You see, nine were perfectly comfortable with the blessing that they received. Nine had just had an experience with Jesus, but one couldn't leave it alone. It says he came back. He fell down at his, on his face at Jesus' feet, just worshiping him uncontrollably. And Jesus asked him, he said, weren't there ten? He said, where are the nine? He said, you see, I remember there being ten people here, and I get why you're here, but where are your friends, he said. And it says that there are not found that return, give glory to God, save this stranger, save this one leper. And he said unto him, arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. You see, nine people got a blessing. One person was restored. Eventually on your path to restoration, you're going to get a blessing. And I've seen it time and time again where people will have an experience with Jesus and call it a day. Call it good and walk out that door. Holy Ghost filled believers that said, no, that's good enough. That's not good enough for me. I want restoration. I'm not going to stop halfway because that was fine. I got what I wanted. I don't need to push any further. It's going to be weird if I start worshiping. Somebody's going to look at me differently, and you're right. God's going to look at you differently. Suddenly, you won't just have your blessing. You're going to get restoration, amen. That's what I want today. What's interesting about that saying in Scripture, the Bible says, were there not ten friends? I, I think it's safe for me to deduce that everybody that got in the presence of Jesus got a touch. Everybody. People that are distracted, people that got their mind on marriage problems and money problems and health problems and work issues. Just got to get into the presence of the Lord Jesus. What you do with a touch is up to you. He is ever faithful. He will touch you. The old song said, touching Jesus is all that matters. Life will never be the same. Uh, last month, some of you may not know or have forgotten, last month, January, I asked uh, a bunch of the sisters to get up here and before I preach uh, every service, to give us a couple of minutes of, of preaching, teaching, edification, somehow out of their strength, talk about restoration. That was a blessing. It really was a blessing. They are, they have something to say. Sometimes wives, you know, can really have something to say. You brothers know what I'm talking about. You're seeing some faces out there. I want to go some places here tonight, but I better not. I'm not preaching just yet. I need another five minutes. But anyway, I asked the young people to be involved this month if they would. And uh, Sister Madison is the first to push off from shore. She's going to speak to us tonight. I'm excited about that. I'm excited about that. Yeah, yeah. 
So give her your undivided attention and help. Here's some tonight. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, church. Yeah, That's good. praise Amen. the Lord. All right, we're going to get right into this. The importance of church. When Pastor Heron gave me this theme, I thought to myself, well, there are so many reasons that church is so important. But first and foremost is you need church to make it to heaven. Whether you like it or not, you need church. And it can't just be any church. It has to be a truth-teaching church. Amen? Psalms 27.4 says, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. I want to take a second and focus on the part that says that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and to inquire in his temple. The Bible says to dwell in the house of the Lord, which is the church. You need to be here. Things that you get from church that are so important are things like worship. Don't get me wrong, worshiping in your car, worshiping at your house, wherever it might be is great, but there is nothing better than worshiping here with Holy Ghost-filled, faith-filled, like-minded people. Amen? Amen? The Bible says in Matthew 18, 20, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Aren't you thankful that he's here? That he's here? There's no place I would rather be. Preaching. We're so blessed to have Facebook Live and podcasts, and, but, but there is nothing better when you're in that moment, when you're behind the preacher and you're just getting what you need. The best place to get preaching is in church. Prayer. Prayer done at an altar. I can tell you from experience the intimacy that you get with God when you pray at an altar, when you just give him everything you have, the freedom you feel at an altar, the joy that you get at an altar. There's no place that I would rather pray and spend my time than at an altar. All these things are so important, and they're done at church. I want to talk a little bit about how these things have helped me. I believe 100% with my whole heart that the reason that I am not hooked on drugs or alcohol or out partying, doing things that kids that I go to school with every single day do is because of, one, a praying family and a praying pastor, and two, is the church. Being born and raised in church. This is where I get my strength. People try to tempt me and drag me into things of this world. And I get my strength from church to say, no, I don't do that. No, I don't talk like that. I don't dress like that. I get my strength from being in church, and you need to be in church. You want to live right? You want to do right? Be in church. Amen? Something that was a huge eye-opener to me was when we couldn't be in church because of COVID. The time spent away made me realize how important church really is. To be 100% honest, it made me weak, made me distracted. I didn't want to read my Bible. I didn't want to pray. I was feeling so far gone. But when we came back to the house of the Lord, the joy that overcame me was indescribable. 2 Corinthians 12.9 says, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Aren't you thankful that when you're weak and you're down, that he's still strong. He still sits on the throne. He's still in charge. It's all God. In the world that we're living in today, we need church. We need God. And we don't just need church to make it to heaven. We need it for our everyday lives. I need church to make it through the week. I need church to make it to school. You guys need church to get to work. You need church. You need preaching. You need worship and prayer. And as I'm coming to a close, I just want to say 
you need to take advantage of service. You need to get what you need, get what you can, because you'll never get this service back, and you don't know when he's coming, and it's so important to be ready, to be, to be prayed up, to be read up, to be ready for when he comes. Hebrews 10.25 says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much more as we see the day approaching. Yeah. Spend your time here. Be here when you can. Be here for prayer. Be here for service. Just be in church and be ready. Hey, 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 hey. Praise the Lord. Brother David, got some competition in the family. Preaching competition. What a blessing. What a blessing. A lot of you have been here as long as I have. Some of you have seen this family, this family endure life like all of us have and hang in there. Appreciate their growth, their personal ambitions. Man, now that you've shouted out, Matthew chapter 5, no, no, stay on, you can stay down, you guys are good, you're, you should, you should, you should, you, you don't have to, thank you, yes, you're fine, I just believe in young, young voices, not the smartest person in the world, but I know that I'm not going to last forever. And there's going to be a day, Brother Player, when we're just a memory. I hope they put our picture on that wall back there one of these days. Don't forget about us. Matthew chapter 5, and the Bible said, blessed are they. Blessed are they which are persecuted. What a what what a contrast here already. Blessed are they which are persecuted. Righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you, persecute you. There's that word again and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. Great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. And I'm just going to talk for a couple minutes in this thought. Tribulation and persecution. Tribulation or persecution. Mr. Webster said that tribulation, listen to this, is agony, pain, or torture. Tribulation is agony, pain, or torture. Persecution, Mr. Webster said, is being harassed or annoyed. So, tribulation or persecution. Now, I believe in tribulation. 
I believe in tribulation in the minor form or in the great form that's going to be on this earth one day. Tribulation occurs. But every generation has not experienced agony, pain, or torture. But I guarantee you the minute you call on the name of Jesus, you sign up for a lifetime of persecution. No matter what. You, may, you and I may never taste tribulation, according to Webster's definition. But if you are a child of God, you will suffer persecution. You could be in the first church of, of popularity out there and be the chief senior, but you're going to be persecuted the minute you make up your mind to seriously live for God. If you want to get by by acting or playing church, you may not ever experience persecution. But the minute, Brother DJ, you make up your mind, I'm really going to try to live for God. A glowing, invisible helmet gets on your spiritual man, and persecution becomes part of what you are. Now, some of the persecution in people's lives that every generation has endured has turned violent into tribulation. But not everybody that's been persecuted knows what it means to be in the midst of tribulation. I believe that a lot of preachers and theologians preach pre-trib rapture of the church because they're terrified about genuine biblical tribulation coming our way. And why wouldn't they be? I am too. But every generation, Brother Josh, is going to suffer persecution. The serpent persecuted Adam and Eve. He annoyed them. He harassed them. Cain persecuted Abel. And it turned violent and became tribulation, didn't it? The Egyptians persecuted the Hebrews. The prophets came with the message of God, and they were persecuted by their own people. Jesus said in Mark 6, verse 4, that a prophet is not without honor. You know what he said? Everywhere a preacher goes, he gets honored, unless he's home. A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and among his own kin. It was partly persecution, I said partly, that sent the church into 400 silent years when Malachi set his pen down and one day John the Baptist appeared on the banks of the Jordan River. It was partly persecution that sent the church underground. Jesus was persecuted by the Jews. The apostles were persecuted by the religious world. Oh, this, this creeps me out, Pastor Herring. It, it freaks me out. Don't talk about that stuff. We are persecuted every day by peers, by contemporaries, sometimes by family, 
and definitely by political policies, we are persecuted every day. Revelation 12, 13, the Bible said the dragon persecuted the woman that brought forth the man-child. FYI, that's the devil persecuting the nation of Israel and the bride of Christ. Every day, the church is in the, in the crosshairs of the enemy of our soul. Annoyance, hassle, pressure, negativity, all the stuff that causes me just to want to pull my hair out, causes you to want to throw your hands up, persecution. Someone said, well, I don't know what you're talking about, man. I got a pretty good way going on. Revelation 20, verse 9, the Bible said that after the devil, after the devil is loose out of that thousand years of captivity, he's going to turn his wrath against, he's going to encompass, encircle the camp of the saints. His intention is not to play tiddlywinks, patty cake, see who's in church that night. His intention is to persecute unto tribulation the bride of Christ. But if you finish reading that verse, the Bible talks about in the next one how God is going to send fire from heaven. I've always believed that we're in for persecution, yea, even tribulation. But at the moment that you cannot take anymore, at the moment I can't bear anymore, The Bible said the devil will be cast into the lake of fire. Oh, I can't wait for that day. Acts 5.41 said the apostles, after being persecuted, after being whipped, accused, lied upon, bad-mouthed, they left saying, I knew it. it to be in the church. I'm done. No, they walked out of there going, Whew. are you kidding me? Hey, that's the difference between the church of that day and the church of today. We get rejected, annoyed, hassled, spurned, talked about, made fun of, left out of the popular circle. I, to I told the leadership team the other day that I remember in high school, I, I, and I guess junior high too, but especially high school, you know, if you, if you conquered or mastered a certain sport, you got a letter jacket. And all the dudes that had letter jackets, they, they, they found each other, you know. And you walk by and say hi, and they're like, how dare you try to crack this circle of upper echelon quality men. I'm not lying, it's how it was. I know I'm on Facebook here, and there may be some jocks in the house tonight, or former jocks. But, I mean, we looked at him like, oh, you think you're better than me, huh? 
We never prayed for them, I promise you that. We did, we prayed the fire of God to fall on them. I'm joking. But that exclusive, that exclusive air about them. I got news for you tonight. You may be the goose that laid the golden egg all your life. You may have walked on, you know, sidewalks of gold and had everything done for you. But every single person that lifts up the name of Jesus is going to be persecuted for their walk, for their faith, for their love of God. And here's the difference between the church of then and today. Then they left going, wait a second, they did that to us not because we got letter jackets on, not because we're better looking than them, not because we've got more coin in the pocket than them. They did that to us because we preach the name above all other names. I wonder if it went something like this. Forgive me for meandering, but I wonder if it went something like this. Hey, Peter, did you feel what I just felt all the while we were going through that harassing and hassling and, and, and accusing? Did you feel a presence from on high? That because we suffered for righteousness' sake? It's one thing to suffer because you actually stole the bicycle, brother. Than to be accused for it when you didn't do it. All because they know you're a church-going, Jesus-name-loving child of God. Here's the difference, Brother Tim. Then they walked out saying, oh, really? They associated me with him? Oh, my word. And today when people persecute me, hassle me, annoy me, accuse me, I get my feelings hurt. I'm rejected and I feel like they are better than me. Look at those letter jackets. They must be better than me. All the pretty girls in high school hang out together and they don't even give you a nickel's worth of time, you average-looking Annabelle. They're, because they're, they're beautiful and you're average. Don't tell me I'm, I'm pretending. That's how it is in the world. If you're blessed with beauty or money or political persuasion, that's good preaching, Pastor. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's true. See, if I get persecuted, I get, I get offended. I thought you said I'd win half the world. Go preach the gospel to all the creatures. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. And I've been knocking doors. You've been knocking doors. One out of a thousand. May let you in. May open the door. May slam that door. May tell you, don't you ever step back on my property again. Ever been told something like that? Come, and then you walk out of there going, for his namesake, for his namesake. No, not normally. Normally we think, normally we think, that's embarrassing. We think, I feel humiliated right now. Peter would have been saying something like this to me. How dare you? How dare you take that personal? You think this is about you? 
How dare you take that? So let me just let me just simplify if I may here. How can I keep from being controlled by my fear of rejection? That's what it's about. They didn't they, they weren't afraid of being rejected. Jesus told them, You're gonna give your life for this message. Oh well. You're playing church. You you are in the wrong church to do that. I mean, if you're in the wrong movement, if you come just to show up and show us your new clothes and and, and tell us how eloquent you are, you're in the wrong room today. Jesus said you're going to die for this. How do I keep from being controlled by fear of rejection? Ready for this? It's not rocket science, but it's, it's 100% true. It's 100% true. And I don't know how to get this accomplished, but if we can figure out how to get on this platform. Number one, accept the fact that you can't be the friend of the world and a friend of God at the same time. I know that's not profound. You're not going to get that in some theological seminary. But the fact of the matter is this. If you try to walk with one foot in the world and one foot in the church, you will be the most disappointed person. You'll be the most frustrated person. You'll be agonizing among because of why there's no peace in your life. It's either all in or all out, brother. You can't please God and the world. You can't serve God and money. Number one, somehow God help me accept the fact that I will never be number one in their eyes. Not if I'm trying to please you. That's hard when it's your favorite uncle telling you that. Or it's your, 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 your favorite cousin that's been your best pal all your life. Or your buddy you graduated high school with and played baseball together or skated on the ice together, and they finally tell you, look, I, look, no way. If it's, it's God or me, this church stuff or me. I'm not saying everybody's that extreme. But you can't be God's pal and a pal of worldly things because God will just wait on you and say, well, until you realize, until you realize that he is the one that said, I will have nothing before me. So number one, Brother Costin, it's got to be that we accept the fact that I can't be the hero to the world and expect God to give me favor at the same time. Doesn't mean we go about trying to dismantle worldly things. We're not out there trying to make enemies in the world. Enough of that happens just by living right. I'm not saying we get up and act like vigilantes and carry banners down in front of the hospital. I'm not saying any of that. Just live a holy life. Trust me. Persecution, persecution will seek you out. Number one, accept the fact that you can't, you can't straddle the line. 
I did not tell you to, to uh, throw all of your friends out there at work out of your life. I didn't say that at all. If you don't stay a friend to them, how are they ever going to be saved? But you get what I'm saying. The more that we struggle, I offer you this advice. Check out, just check your own life, inventory your own heart. How much attention does the world get? How much attention does God get in your life? How devoted are you to things out there? Things in here, tremendous word from little Ron. And number two, number one, you can't please God in the world. And number two, it's not about There's a scripture, 1 Samuel 8, verse 7. God told the prophet Samuel he had been rejected. And God said, listen to me, preacher. It isn't about you. They rejected me, not you. Oh, you may be the recipient of their wrath and their persecution, their annoyance, and their, their hassling you. They might be looking in your set of eyes and saying, I hate you. I hate the church. I hate what the church has made of you. And wait till your friends tell you that, that you used to party with. I hate what you've become since you got part of that church. And so the, and so the devil says, just back off a little bit. Make, make old Jim Bob happy with you. God told Samuel, they haven't rejected you, they've rejected you. So you're the conduit. You're the mirror. You what you're what reflects the, the will of God. Number one, if you're trying to please the world and God, you're just you're chasing a mirage. It is never going to happen. You're going to be sorely disappointed more than you are thinking. Number two, remember this when they tell you, stop fighting this. Remember, it's not about you. You can't afford to throw your preaching coat down on the ground and say, I'm sick of it. I'm never going to do this again, Lord. Isn't that what Jeremiah did? I'm tired of it. And then he got up one morning and the Bible said he wrote this down, but it's like a fire shut up in my bones. Mm -hmm. so remember our text, what we opened with tonight? We open with Jesus saying, Blessed are they which are persecuted. And if you and I had been there hearing that, we might have said, Can you interpret that, please, for me? Can you make commentary remarks for me? And be exceeding glad because great is your reward in heaven. So here's how that looks in real time. You know, your boss promotes your part, his partying buddy over you, and you know what it's related to. Or your old friends get together for a, you know, for a reunion or, or a, a gathering, and you used to be part of it, now you don't even get an invite. Somehow, if you can, force yourself in a private moment. Think about what Peter and John would have done. It's not about me, Brother Walter. 
It's about the change and him that brought about the change in your life. I don't know how you can say, thank you, Lord, but you can. I don't know where the strength comes from in the moment when you feel embarrassed, humiliated, rejected, scorned, your friend just turned his back on you. I don't know where it comes from, but I know it does. He said rejoice. Now, if it, if it would be, it'd be one thing if it was just a matter of that's the end of it. Rejoice. Just, just say, I'm glad and go on with life. But that's not what Jesus said. He said, if you're able, somehow within you, rejoice and be exceeding glad because because I love rewards, don't you? Brother Nate, years ago, I got a new truck and I bought it in Anchorage. Coming down Muldoon and missed the stop or missed the speed limit sign, right? And Anchorage's finest was on my tail and pulled me over about Muldoon and Debar. Yeah, ticket. And had to go back in Anchorage. God is my witness. About a week later, 10 days later, something in the truck at the dealership coming down Muldoon again. And you'd think I'd be smarter than that. You'd think I'd be smarter. I'm not embellishing or exaggerating. This is exactly what I... And, and I tried to get through this light on the yellow. This can't be real. Twice in a week on the same road. That was one cool cop there, though. He said, he came up, he said, nice truck. First thing he said when I rolled my window, he said, nice truck. I drive it, I mean, I sit in it. I have no idea why I said that or what it has to do with what I was talking about. But it meant something there. In a, mo in a moment when you're tested, in a moment when you're embarrassed, that's what it was. When you're humiliated because all you've done is try to be a representative of heaven's grace. Jesus said you got a reward coming. I did, felt, I, I did feel rewarded when that guy said, hey, you just have a good day and watch the red uh, yellow lights from now on. I did feel good about it. Is it easy? No. But is it rewarding? Absolutely. All right, I've got to show two things to you. Show two things to you and let you go here. Hebrews 12, verse 4, the Bible said, You have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. You've been persecuted, but most of us have not experienced tribulation. Pain, pain, agony, or torture. Come on, be real. If you have, forgive me. But most of us have not. We've been mocked and made fun of, criticized and ridiculed. But they haven't drugged your kids out of bed at 3 a.m. saying, deny the Lord or you'll never see your son again. They've never put your head on the chopping block and said, throw your Bible in the trash. That's tribulation. And I, am, I apologize to the grace of God for, for bellyaching about hard things in my life sometimes. 
And I, I, I want to quit living for God because I'm late on my truck payment. Because I got a little persecution and heat in my life. All right, all right. Let, right, let, me, let me just stop with this. Did I give you the message translation, sister? Where are you? All right, you got that? Just two scriptures. It's, the, it's our text, but we're reading a different translation. All right? Matthew 5.11. Not only that, count yourselves blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and they are uncomfortable. I didn't say that. That's Matthew 5.11, message translation. Verse 12, but you can be glad when that happens. Do you, ever, do you know what moments of special grace endowed to you mean? I mean, somehow, if you'd, if you'd have just asked me to thank God on any normal given time, I, I wouldn't be able to when the red lights are chasing me down Muldoon because I'm, in, I'm stressed right now all of a sudden. But I believe in a grace that is given at moments that you don't expect it. You can't whip it out of your wallet. You can't dial it up on your cell phone. And the moment you need it the most, the grace of God overwhelms, invites itself, comes into your need, comes into your life. That's why you are able to be glad when that happens. Not because you're just jolly Jerry. And you're an optimistic everything. But it's a visitation from God's grace that isn't normally there. All right, look at this. You can be glad when that happens. Give a cheer. In high school, why am I mind on this tonight? I don't know. The cheerleaders were just annoying. You ever notice that? Just annoying. Come to watch the basketball game. Give a cheer. Give a cheer. Even. For though they don't like it, I do. Look at that. Got... Oh. God said they may not care for it, but I really like it. When you, when you cheer God, when you say, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, God said, I like that. I like that. I like that. And all heaven applauds. Check it out. You say that all the time. I'm borrowed up from you. Check it out. All heaven applauds. And know that you are in good company. My prophets and witnesses have always gotten into this kind of trouble. Persecution or tribulation? Mm. Just leave with this. It's not about you. It's not about you. Blessed Savior, we thank you tonight for your goodness and mercy. All you're doing and all you've done. Know that your redemption draws nigh, God of heaven, and we thank you. You're a friend that sticks closer than a brother. 
You're the rock of ages that I stand on, lean on, depend upon, trust in. You're the anchor of my soul, both sure and steadfast. And I bless your name for this great word that we heard from these people tonight, these young folks tonight. Thank you so much for it, God. Thank you, Lord. Anybody want to come pray tonight? No, no pressure. You can sit and observe. You can come and pray. Oh, God likes it. God likes it when you cheer him. God likes it when you cheer him. <laughs>